What is going on everybody? This is Dude from In The Mix Radio And today we're going to discuss the XFL standings The week 3 matchups And a little review of week 2 And what has been an exciting relaunch of XFL football And it looks to be, even though it's early on That Vince McMahon and his staff have really figured this out. And it's been a lot of fun to watch a brand of football that's exciting, that has young stars trying to get back to their dream. Of an NFL roster. And going into week three. They couldn't have asked for a better reception from fan bases all around the country. It has that college feel. With NFL talent. And these games are a lot of fun to watch. Because there's no stupid penalties on little ticky-tack calls. It's football. It's raw, adrenaline-rushing football. Where big hits are celebrated and not penalized. And that's what the NFL used to be. So it's pretty awesome. If you haven't watched any XFL football games yet, make sure you watch at least one game on the weekend. Because it truly fills the void in the NFL offseason while we're waiting for the draft, free agency, and OTAs to start. And so far in the standings through the first two weeks, you can kind of see which teams are the cream of the crop and which teams might have to start building towards next season. And we'll start off in the East with the DC Defenders, who are 2 0. And they have a a very winnable game in week three. But they look like the best overall team in the entire league so far. They have a plus four touchdown differential. They've scored seven touchdowns and only allowed three. That's a roster that's filled with talent on both sides of the ball. And they show up weekly to punish teams. The St. Louis Battlehawks are in second. They're one and one. They have a plus two touchdown differential with six touchdowns, four and four touchdowns allowed. They've been an up and down team, but they're pretty solid with their roster and and moving forward. They could be a dark horse 
for the XFL playoffs and the championship game. In third, you have the New York Guardians. They're also one and one. They have a zero touchdown differential. They've scored three touchdowns. They've allowed three touchdowns. So far, this has been a tale of two teams. In week one, they looked very dominant. In week two, against another dominant team, they were manhandled. So now the question is, which team is the true New York Guardians? And in last place in the East, you have the Tampa Bay Vipers. They're 0-2 with a minus 4 touchdown differential. They only have one touchdown, and they've allowed five. That's not going to win you many games. And in the Western Conference... You have the Houston Roughnecks, led by an MVP candidate quarterback, and a defense that's very underrated. They have a plus three touchdown differential. They've scored nine touchdowns, and they've allowed six. If they can limit their touchdowns against on defense, They will be playing in the XFL Championship on April 26th. In second place, you have the Seattle Dragons at 1-1. They have a zero touchdown differential. 5-5. They're also a team, a tale of two games. They looked bad in week one. They looked semi-good in week two. Their quarterback play is what has limited them so far this season. In third, you have the Dallas Renegades at 1-1. They have a minus one touchdown differential with three touchdowns, four, four touchdowns allowed. They're a team that could be a dark horse if they figure out their early season woes. And in last place... You have one of the biggest markets in the XFL, the LA Wildcats, who are 0-2 with a minus four touchdown differential. Four touchdowns, four, eight touchdowns allowed. Their offense at times looks very good. Their defense has been atrocious. They have a tough matchup in week three. And things aren't looking too well for them moving forward. Again, looking at these standings, you can see so far who the cream of the crop is. And who are the bottom feeders. With a couple of good but not great teams bunched in the middle that can all be dark horses to make a run as the season progresses as long as no injuries occur that are major. For the week three schedule, we start off with the Houston Roughnecks at the Tampa Bay Vipers. Now we're three weeks into the year and this is Tampa's first game at Raymond James. Home cooking might be what they ordered, 
we will find out. Houston comes in as a six and a half point favorite. And the completely opposite direction of where Tampa's heading. You could catch that game on ABC on Saturday at 2 o'clock. And the under over for that game is 45 and a half. Houston could put up 40 on their own with how their offense is played. Tampa, their defense has played atrociously. But that game should hit the over. I would personally go with the six and a half for Houston. But if you're an over-under person, I would go with the over in that game. In the second game on Saturday at 5 p.m. on Fox, you have the Dallas Renegades at the Seattle Dragons. Now, both teams come into that game one and one. It should be an exciting game with a lot of fireworks. Dallas is getting four and a half in that game. The over-under is 43 and a half. You might want to go with the Seattle Dragons getting the four and a half at home. Because both of those teams are in that middle bunch. So maybe taking the points would be the correct thing to do in that game. The over-under is a little high, so maybe go with the under. The point conversions really mess with the numbers. So, unders in a lot of these games are rough. But this should be an exciting game with some points. Now, kicking off Sunday, you have the 1-1 one one New York Guardians at the St. Louis Battlehawks. That's 3 p.m. on Sunday. Now, this is the biggest spread in the league. The Guardians are getting 10 points. The over-under is 40 and a half. Now, both of these teams are one and one, but that is a big number for a team that came out in week one on fire. And in week two, they collapsed. I think the bookmakers saw the controversy last week on the sideline with McGloin and the coaches, and that's why this spread is so big. I don't think the Guardians are 10 points worse than St. Louis, even on the road. And to close out the week, you have the 2-0 DC defenders on the road in LA against the 0-2 LA Wildcats on FS1 at 6 p.m. The spread for that game, DC is giving eight. They should cover that easily. DC should win that game by 20 points. They are the better team all around and the cream of the crop of the XFL. The over-under is 44. 
that game will go over 44. DC will dominate from start to finish just like they have through the first two weeks of the season. They are littered with NFL talent who probably will not be in this league next year because most of them will be back on NFL rosters. Some maybe even starters in the NFL. Now we're going to go take a week two review. And these games were up and down throughout the weekend. What I said was going to be a heavyweight fight. And I truly believed that at the time. The New York Guardians let me down on the road at D.C. They didn't show up in any aspect of the game. They didn't look interested in playing the game. And they took a thrashing, a 27-0 thrashing to the D.C. defenders. Cardale Jones, who's an MVP candidate, abused a defense that was pretty good. They still are pretty good. But he picked them apart all afternoon. He has three receivers and a running game in D.C. That really... You're in awe of how talented and how this roster was able to be put together with so much talent in one grouping. The running game is led by Donnell Pumphrey and Jarrell Presley. Both of those guys are a solid one-two punch and they both just punish you on the ground. They consistently get chunk plays. They keep the chains moving for that offense and Cardale Jones with his wide receiver core of Rashad Ross, Tompkins, and Eli Rogers, they just pick you apart. They find the the weaknesses in your defense, and they attack all afternoon. They never take their foot off the gas. But their defense is no slouch. They consistently get sacks they last week against the Guardians they had three sacks and two interceptions if you're going to give your offense that many extra opportunities and you're constantly hitting the quarterback and taking the timing out of an offense you're going to win games you're going to win a lot of games And you're going to win the mental battle each week when a team starts to prepare for you. This defense leads the league in passer rating allowed at 54 and a half. Now, when you look around the league, quarterbacks are completing 72 to 80% of their passes. So far against D.C., They're only completing 54% of their passes. 
So they are making teams and offenses look silly. And I expect that to continue in week three against an L.A. Wildcats team who has yet to find their footing. Now in the second game on Saturday, you had the Tampa Bay Vipers at Seattle. Tampa on the road for a second consecutive week. And this game was just back and forth defense for most of the afternoon. Seattle eventually got the victory 17-9. But both offenses didn't look good. Tampa went at it without their starting quarterback in Aaron Murray. And neither backup really did anything. They turned the ball over three times combined. Cornelius was 16 out of 27 for 154 yards and two interceptions. And the golden boy, Swiss Army Knife and Quentin Flowers was 3 of 7 for 18 yards and an interception. Now, Quentin Flowers has been electric as a running back, as a receiver, as a Wildcat quarterback. But when he had to shoulder the load, he didn't look like he was ready to handle that kind of pressure. And Tampa Bay as a whole, they haven't looked very good. They look unprepared each and every week. But if they figure it out, their running game with Jocks Patrick and Devion Smith, they rank one and two in the league in yards after contact with 110 and 94 yards after contact. So the running game is moving the chains. The rest of the offense is stalling. And that's the same thing in Seattle. They have talent. But their quarterback play with Brandon Silvers. Has been atrocious. Brandon Silvers was 7 for 18. For 91 yards. With a touchdown and an interception. And that touchdown was a 68-yard pass to Keenan Reynolds. One chunk play was more than half of his passing yards on the afternoon. Keenan Reynolds finished with three catches for 87 yards and a score. Silvers only threw for 91 yards. You need more than that. Three other receivers, Austin Prohl, Ben Johnson, and Trey Williams, each had a catch. Prohl finished with minus one yard. Ben Johnson finished with minus two yards. And Trey Williams finished with minus four yards. That kind of passing attack is not going to win many games at any level. And the only reason Seattle won is because their defense is one of the best in the league. They had four sacks and three interceptions. They averaged two and a half sacks a game. They're averaging three quarterback hits. So they're getting pressure on defense. They're sacking the quarterback. They're 
getting turnovers. They're giving extra opportunities. But the offense hasn't figured it out. Now, there's still a lot of games left. But they need to figure it out quickly. Because you only have 10 games. And the bigger hole you start in, the harder it's going to be to climb out of it. Now we're going to jump to Sunday's games. And the game that kicked off on Sunday was an exciting back and forth battle. The Dallas Renegades at the LA Wildcats. Now for a while it looked like LA was going to get their victory. Their first one. But Dallas clamped down on defense. And their offense did enough. They ground and pounded them all afternoon. And Cameron Artis Payne and Lance Dunbar really took over the show. Artis Payne had 14 carries for 99 yards and two touchdowns, and he chipped in five catches for 32 yards in the receiving game. And Dunbar had six carries for 42. It doesn't sound like a lot, but they were punishing runs that moved the chains, and that's what you want out of your running game. He also chipped in for five catches and 34 yards. And these guys had 11 targets combined from the running game. And had 10 catches. They averaged 6.8 yards a catch together. If they can continue to do that, Dallas will win a lot of games. That offense will be a new level of efficiency. And they will become a dark horse for the postseason and the championship game. Landry Jones has controlled that offense for them. If that running game continues, this offense will really start to take off and match the intensity of their defense. Anytime your defense is playing well and the offense starts sluggish, as long as the defense can carry you to allow for the offense to catch up, you become a different team. You become a complete team. And one that people start to become afraid of. They don't want to play you when both sides of the ball are playing as one unit. And on the other side, the Wildcats, they just seem to not be able to find their footing yet. 
They have no semblance of a running game. Elijah Hood. I don't know if the injuries have caught up to him. But he does not look like the same running back he was at UNC. But if he can figure it out, this offense will find new heights. Josh Johnson, he's a great story. He got back into the league last year. He played some good football. And now he's carrying this Wildcats offense. He's showing he has that deep ball ability. He's leading the league right now with 13.8 yards in depth of target. And every time he seems to throw a deep ball to Nelson Spruce, who's become his go-to receiver in all situations, they seem to find pay dirt together. Nelson Spruce has been a revelation and you can tell he's fighting for his dream to be back in the NFL he had another 6 catches 89 yards and 2 scores and both of those scores there wasn't a defender close he abused the secondary on both of his scores he's had 2 weeks now where he's just made the defensive backs look lost. He should be in the NFL next year. The XFL really can't afford to lose him because he's becoming a star for the league. He's an MVP candidate. And if he continues, he will set the bar for receiving records for a long time. He will be the receiver that all other XFL receivers will be trying to beat for all the records he's on pace to set this season. But even with those big plays... The offense seems to be missing something. And with a tough week three matchup, they look to be heading to 0-3 to start this season. And you can say, well, what about the defense? They've shown up. They've shown up. They have five sacks and three interceptions through the first two weeks. So they've given their offense more opportunities. But they just haven't played as a collective whole as one team yet. And they're in a major hole because of it. They'll be trying in week three to upset the top team in the league in the D.C. Defenders. They are at home in L.A., 
that crowd should be raucous. But they can't play conservative. They have to play with physicality, emotion, and they got to throw the first punch and not let off the gas. Otherwise, they will be torched by the DC defenders. And in the closing game, you had the St. Louis Battle Hawks at the Houston Roughnecks. And this game really showed PJ Walker as a star for Houston. This Houston offense is tremendous. They are second in the league to the DC defenders. They don't only beat you with flash. They grind on you. They punish you in the running game. And they take what the defense gives them. But the connection of P.J. Walker and Cam Phillips is really something special. It's like watching Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown early in their career together. There's true love there between quarterback and receiver. And as long as that relationship stays strong, this Houston team and offense is going to be tough to figure out. Because if you game plan to stop Cam Phillips, Walker can beat you with his legs. He can beat you in a variety of different ways. But Nick Holly is the glue guy, the tough, gritty, Wes Welker type receiver for this offense. That in a tough situation, he's going to make the big play to move the chains, to spark a run. So between Nick Holly, Cam Phillips, and P.J. Walker, this offense can torch the league and really put their stamp on the inaugural season. And that Houston defense is another underrated defense. They get pressure on 41% of opposing dropbacks. That means they're in the backfield all the time breathing down the opposing quarterback's neck. That mental warfare they put on opposing quarterbacks will only wear on offenses and coordinators as the season goes on. So this team is probably the best unit 
as a collective whole by a small margin over DC but without question the XFL championship game will be the DC defenders against the Houston Roughnecks because both of these teams all around are special Thank you guys for joining me on In The Mix Radio for another XFL special. We'll be back after week three and listen out for other podcasts through the week with WWE, Major League Baseball, some more NFL draft analysis, NBA, and some NHL. Have a good weekend. What is going on, everybody? This is Dude from In The Mix Radio. And today, this is kind of like a live podcast. As I'm watching the New York Guardians get dismantled by the St. Louis Battlehawks, one thing stands out. And that's been the play of quarterback Matt McGloin. Since a very solid week one against the Tampa Bay Vipers and a defense that's bottom of the league. He's had a complete meltdown in a shutout loss to D.C. last week. And this week he started off slow again. And he just doesn't look competent anymore. It looks like he's lost his offense. Their timing is no longer consistent. He seems to be making the wrong reads. And they're falling apart at the seams quickly. The head coach looks very Angry and disappointed at the same time. Because it doesn't look like he believes that this offense is going to turn it around. So as I'm watching this. I came up with a possible solution. Johnny Manziel. I was talking to a buddy yesterday, and he said that Manziel has received contract offers from multiple teams. And at first, I didn't think that the Guardians needed a quarterback. But Manziel could be exactly what this team needs to get back on track. There's still a decent enough schedule left for them to turn it around. But they'd have to make the move quickly. Get him in 
and try and get the timing of this offense back. Now, this looked like a very competent offense after week one. The team as a whole looked like true contenders to play for an XFL championship. Since then, something happened. And it's affecting the entire team on both sides of the football. And even the special teams. As they gave up a block punt and had a return touchdown against them. So the trickle-down effect since that meltdown has really changed the direction of this team. So what do you guys think? Do you guys think Johnny Manziel could be the savior that the New York Guardians need to save their season and take back the perch in the Eastern Division? Because if they get Texas A&M Johnny Manziel, they might not lose again. If they get Cleveland Brown Johnny Manziel, the situation might get worse. But when I thought about it, anybody who's ever gone to Cleveland has been set up for failure. So maybe that's an outlier. Because that organization is a mess from top to bottom. They don't run things well. But when he was at Texas A&M, he was having fun. He was a leader. And a very dominant football player. And he's still very young. He's still mobile. And he can still throw the football. Matt McGloin isn't mobile. And that could be what has stagnated this offense. It seems that week one was more about the opponent. And how bad of a team they were. Than how good this New York Guardians team truly is with Matt McGloin at the helm. So I'm all for bringing Johnny Manziel aboard and trying to right this ship. Because before the season started, the Guardians figured to have a big impact in year one. And it would be a real shame If the season collapsed in week two and just continued to get worse. So with that, hopefully they make the right decision. And get everybody back on the same page and the team morale back that we saw in week one. Thank you guys for listening to another installment of In The Mix Sports Radio with your boy The Dude. And don't forget, download PlayXFL app. You can win money. You pick the scores each week. Prizes of $25,000. And it's free. Make sure you guys download the app. Have a good weekend.